Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It's the Hey Mary Kay edition and today Mary Kay Cabot answers our football insider subscriber questions. They texted them to us. So if you want to get involved in that, cleveland.com slash browns the blue banner at the top of the page to get an exclusive newsletter delivered to your inbox every day. Become one of our text subscribers so that you can submit questions for this podcast and of course get access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns. Questions today involve Baker Mayfield, uh, the offense, the receiver position, all the stuff that you all want to talk about, about the Cleveland Browns. So that's coming up here on the Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And here we go on our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, the Hey MK edition. Uh, the first one this week, we decided to not bring one to you on Monday. A lot of schedules kind of wonky. So uh, here we are back uh, getting your week started on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Mary Kay, let's start here. Uh, Carloso from Plymouth, Massachusetts has a draft and a quarterback question. So very timely considering the combine is next week. And uh, we're really going to be digging into draft season here. So Carloso says, Hey, Mary Kay, how do you think Baker Mayfield would respond in terms of attitude and approach if the Browns were to draft a quarterback in the first round? Would he believe that the writing was on the wall, that he would be that he would not be resigned after this year? Well, I first of all think that he would see that the writing is on the wall. But if he is the true professional uh, that we all know him to be, I think he would respond in the same way that Jimmy Garoppolo did with the San Francisco 49ers, because the same thing happened to him this year. And he still took his football team deep into the playoffs. Okay, and that's how you have to approach it. Because had Jimmy Garoppolo continued on into the playoffs, uh, you know, there's a chance that he could have staved off. Trey Lance for another year. Trey Lance, of course, being the rookie quarterback that the 49ers traded up to get at number three overall. Now, Jimmy, of course, probably wasn't overly thrilled about that, but for the most part, he put his head down. He went to work. He got the job done. uh, He had a winning season and he took the 49ers to the playoffs and actually uh, put some good numbers up along the way. So, uh, you know, whether or not he remains with the 49ers, uh, we don't know that yet, but he did all of the right things. And that's exactly what I would expect Baker Mayfield to do, to say, you can draft whoever you want. You can sign whoever you want, but this is my job. Nobody's going to take it away from me. And I'm going to show you this year who I am. Yeah. Well, and the other part of it too, is even if he's not the guy here long-term and they do go to the the next guy, 
he's got to show other teams that he can be their guy. And, and I think Jimmy, to an extent, did that this year. He, he didn't torpedo his trade value. He went out there and he won a bunch of football games like he always does. And so for Baker, it's not even just like, what's it going to mean for him here? It's sort of, okay, I'm going to show you that when the Browns are ready to move on from me, I'm the guy you want to go get. You, got, you want to make me your next franchise quarterback. Absolutely, 100%. And look, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo will probably be starting for some other team next year if he's not starting for the 49ers. And it seems like the writing is on the wall. Uh, Basically, they have given him uh, permission to seek a trade. And I know that uh, that sort of thing is in the works right now. So he did. He helped himself. Now, it didn't end beautifully. uh, And I'm sure a lot of people can point to that and say, well, look, that's why, you know, Jimmy isn't someone that can take a team to the Super Bowl. But uh, he came pretty close. You know, to get that deep into the playoffs uh, to the point where you are challenging to play in the Super Bowl, there's something to be said for that. And uh, and I think that Jimmy did help himself by his attitude. And look, if Kyle Shanahan was praising him all the way up until the very end, that tells you something about the way he handled it. And he put good tape out there uh, for his next football team. And there is going to be such fierce competition for the starting veteran quarterbacks this offseason that I think that Jimmy will find a home, a good one, and a starting job. The other part of it, too, you know, as far as Baker is concerned, is sometimes you just have to look at it and say, hey, this is the NFL. (laughs) You know, like, you may not like it. It it might upset you a little bit, but, like, this is the NFL, buddy. So sometimes you got to deal with stuff. Yeah, you find out very quickly that it's a business once you're here. And also, it has been Baker Mayfield's MO uh, since he entered college that he has had to walk onto football teams and prove everybody wrong. And he always seems to come out swinging when his back is against the wall. And I would expect that he would do the same thing in the event that they drafted a guy. Now, if they go out and sign a veteran quarterback, I don't know if he and his camp will remain quiet about that or if they go out and they trade for a veteran quarterback, especially one that seems to be the obvious starter for 2022. I don't think that's going to be a situation where everybody just sits back and says, Oh, Hey, this is cool. Uh, I, I think that will ruffle some feathers pretty, pretty well. And, and I think that we'll, you know, hear some sort of response from that if it, if it comes to that, uh, but drafting a guy, especially because this draft is full of developmental quarterbacks, guys that we don't know for sure that can come in and start right away. I don't know if you can point to any one of those guys and say, yes, he's a bona fide starter for 2022. So in that case, I would have to say that, um, you know, that, that it is that the time would be right to say, you know what? No, this young man is not going to come in and take my job. I am going to do everything I can to prove that I deserve not only to start this year, but to get an extension. I mean, that's the attitude that I think he would have to take. And he's known for that sort of thing. Okay. Sticking with Baker here, Tyson from New Braunfels, Texas asks, Hey, Mary Kay, the more and more I look at the quarterback landscape, I think the Browns need to keep Baker Mayfield. Could this be as simple as healthy Baker and fixing the tackle situation? Well, it's a little bit more than just fixing the tackle situation because it would have to be healthy Baker and two really good new receivers and fixing the tackle situation. And maybe the tackle situation will fix itself if, in fact, Jack Conklin does come back and is ready to start the season. And if Jed Wills is fully recovered from his ankle injury and those guys play up to their capabilities, uh, then that part will be taken care of. 
then it's a matter of trying to get those receivers. And, and you have to hope that the receivers that you acquire are going to make the difference for you. Now, lately, it seems like it's been pretty easy to project a good receiver into the NFL and know that he's going to be pretty good. We've seen the Jamar Chases, the Justin Jeffersons, uh, you know, come into the NFL and have immediate success. It's not always like that, uh, but you would think that with a Garrett Wilson or uh, a Drake London or a Trey Burks, that those guys are going to be able to come in and they're going to be able to get the job done right away. But then I think you also have to add a good veteran if you can. Maybe not going to be easy because a good veteran is going to want some reassurance that they're going to get the football and that they're going to get it early and often and have the Pro Bowl type of season that I'm sure they feel they're capable of. Yeah, it, it, you know, it feels like, I guess we both sort of talked about this, that this could end up just being the default, hey, you've got no other options, so Baker's the guy and you bring in a bunch of receivers and kind of try and build everything else up around him. And maybe that's not your long-term answer, but maybe that's what you have to do. I think that's sort of what, what Tyson is kind of getting at here too. Well, you know what? And you would think that that would work. But when we look back to, right? I mean, ideally, that's how you would want that to work. But when you look back to 2019, he didn't necessarily have a great season, Baker didn't, when he had a younger, healthy Jarvis Landry and a younger, healthy Odell Beckham Jr. And he still had a pretty good supporting cast. I mean, Nick Chubb was here, right? Um, you know, they had Kareem Hunt was here. And, you know, so I would have to say that there are no assurances that a couple of new receivers are going to solve all the problems, but I think it would certainly help. And one of the challenging things about this offseason will be the fact that Baker Mayfield is going to be recovering from torn labrum surgery until probably around the end of April. So it's not like he can really be out there throwing and working on his mechanics and things like that. The way that Baker is going to have to be improving between now and when he can start throwing the ball is he's going to have to work on the cerebral aspect of his game. And I think that'll help a lot. I think he's got a uh, process quicker. I think he's got to study defenses better. I haven't really studied the PFF QB stuff that came out today yet, but I think there are, uh, I think that it shows that there are some, uh, you know, some speed issues in terms of just him, him getting to a second read, getting the ball out of his hand and those kinds of things. So uh, whatever he can't do physically, he's got to be working on mentally. So this is a perfect transition because, uh, Mike or Mick Zav in Frisco, Texas says, Hey, Mary Kay, lots has been said about the difficult season Baker had everything from the injury to his height, to the game plan has been mentioned. Isn't the biggest issue that he simply can't read a defense quick enough. His release time is amongst the worst in the league. And he often stares down his first read. We are heading into year five now and he's 26 years old. Can he improve this or is it as good as it gets? I think he can improve it. I think it's going to take a lot of work. I think it takes a recognition that that might be one of your deficiencies and that you're going to have to get really, really good at that. Uh, so, uh, you know, we've heard different things about quarterbacks can't improve their accuracy. Well, I don't believe that either. 
I think you can get better at anything that you want to get better at. And even when I talked to Malik Willis at the Senior Bowl, he talked about uh, working on that thinking part of the game, the cerebral part of the game. He doesn't want to be known as a quarterback that just takes off running. He wants to, uh, you know, just he watches and studies what Tom Brady does and just how he has the vision. And he's really trying to improve all that to the point where he's taken up chess. Uh, he's, he's trying to think in terms of strategy and the next move. So yes, I think Baker can get better at, at that if he really is willing to admit that he has to, I think that's the first thing that he must do. And now he's got nothing but time on his hands to do that. So, right. So I think that's, I think that's really, really important. I think he can do it. Um, and I think that, uh, I think it is one of those, uh, one of those things that I think that is a huge part of the problem with him. But last year, when you look to the second half of last season, it didn't seem like he was having processing problems and people might question, well, what about that? What about those eight or nine games? I think that we also have to look at the strength of those defenses. And he was playing a lot of bad defenses. Defenses are getting better. We keep talking about that. Uh, we've talked about, I've been hammering away at that. Defenses are getting better now. They've recognized over the last couple of years that you have to be really good to, um, to keep up with these explosive passing games in the NFL. But you're not going to get very far. You're not going to win a Super Bowl unless you have one of those defenses that can stop one of these offenses uh, that have just lit it up over the last couple of years. Uh, so, you know, gone are the days where, you know, you can just be the Kansas City Chiefs and have an amazing offense and no defense. Now you saw, I mean, even the Kansas City Chiefs, they realized they had to pick it up a notch in that regard. The Buffalo Bills, uh, the Ravens have always had a good defense. The Rams, I mean, let's look at the Super Bowl winner. It's the, that's the first place you should look to see what was going on and why they were able to win it. Well, one Aaron Donald, Von Miller, and uh, the rest of the Jalen Ramsey, although Jalen Ramsey, I thought had a rough Super Bowl, but, um, but for the most part, those guys have amazing defenses. So Baker Mayfield has got to get better as defenses evolve. And, and the other part of it too is some, sometimes when you, and this is the concerning part, when you kind of keep him in the pocket, as we've talked about, and make him sort of sit in there and read a defense traditionally, that's sort of, that's been a problem, whether that's the height, whether that's just the processing, whatever that is, that's really kind of been the issue for him is just sitting in the pocket and going, you know, we, we've seen spectacular throws to that first read or that second read, but, but getting to that third or that fourth read or, or whatever it is that, that's where you're a little concerned after this season, I think. Yes, absolutely. And would it be easier to get to that first, second read if you've got much, much better receivers out there? I mean, maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe guys weren't getting open. Maybe he's looking around and, uh, you know, dancing around back there and patting the ball and doing those kinds of things because, you know, he didn't see enough guys open or he sees somebody out there who he does not have a good connection with and he's not necessarily trusting that guy. When he talked about, uh, when he was talking about Ben Roethlisberger heading into his final game in week 17, he talked about how Ben just trusts whoever is out there. Right. And that's what Baker has to get to. He has to really have that confidence in and faith that they're going to make the play for him. And he might have lost a little bit of that because some guys just weren't making the plays this year. Guys that generally you would think would be catching certain passes weren't catching them. Donovan Peoples-Jones, I thought, had a rough half to the second half of the season where it was like, wait a minute, 
what's going on with him? And then Austin Hooper, same thing. You expected Austin Hooper to be making plays that he was not making, dropping passes that he shouldn't be dropping. And then earlier on, same thing with Odell Beckham Jr. And, you know, I don't, I don't know what it was. It was weird because usually, uh, you know, the quarterback can sort of elevate the play of the guys around him. And it seemed to almost have an opposite effect this year where guys were playing worse for Baker Mayfield than we have seen them play at other points in their career. So that's got to change. I mean, there's got to be good vibes, good chemistry. Uh, he's got to be elevating the, the play of the, the receivers around him, whether that be with different kinds of touch on the ball. I think sometimes that's an issue with Baker too. I think he needs to vary his touch his ball speed, his arm angles, those kinds of things. Not everything can come in like a wrecking ball, especially in the red zone. Um, so I think it, it all goes hand in hand. And this would probably be a good year for everybody to show up for OTAs. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that would be a good start. I think we're on the same page on that one. Uh, all right, let's, mm -hmm. uh, let's go. Oh, I actually have a question about someone who's involved in that that we're going to get to a little bit later. Uh, mm -hmm. So this is the tough question that the Browns have to answer and a number of teams have to answer. And this comes from Stacy in Columbus. Hey, Mary Kay, what would it cost the Browns to trade for Deshaun Watson? And would this front office seriously consider this move? He goes on to say that in this division, it may be time to consider such a bold move for the Browns. Now we don't know. And, and so somebody followed up and asked, um, somebody also asked like what's happening with Deshaun Watson and the, the answer is kind of like, we don't know. <laughs> there, right. there was supposed to be something happening today, but it sounds like that might just lead to a longer delay. Um, so no one really knows exactly where this is going to go, but is there, could he yeah. be on the table for the Browns? You know, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. And I don't know that for sure, but I would think that they have to keep an eye on Deshaun Watson because of his talent. I mean, you just have to. If you think that there is a chance he's going to be cleared of wrongdoing, and really, I think we need to all remember that people are innocent until proven guilty. So, you know, I, I think that needs to, to be factored into the equation here. But I think that they will consider him. They will have to have some reassurances that this is never going to happen again, that he gets the, the help that he needs if he needs that kind of help. Uh, that there will be some restitution, that there will be re rehabilitation. But if they feel comfortable with those kinds of things, then I think that they would at least consider Deshaun Watson. I think any team that needs a starting quarterback would probably at least be considering and doing their due diligence. Now, once they get done with the due diligence, they might say, no way, we're not touching this thing. It's too controversial. We can't go down that road. But I think you have to go down that road until the road says, stop, this isn't a place we need to be going as the Cleveland Browns. Up until that time, I think they owe it to themselves to at least look into it. So is this a front office that, you know, obviously the Deshaun situation is tricky because, you know, if it comes with a suspension, that makes things weird. There's no trade clause, all of that stuff. But just even in general, is this a front office that would give up, say, their next three first round picks and I don't know, maybe their next two second round picks? I mean, that's a high price, but the Texans are looking for a lot of assets in this. I mean, let's say it ended up something like that or their next three first, their next second and then a third. Is this a front office that would be that aggressive and give up that much draft capital? 
I think so. I think if they determined uh, that this is a risk worth taking from from a legal standpoint and they feel confident that uh, that all of that can be behind him and that he can be a good upstanding citizen and that none of that kind of stuff is going to happen again. Um, and again, as I mentioned, restitution, rehabilitation and all the things that would go along with that. Uh, from a football st- talent standpoint, if you could get your hands on a quarterback like that, I think you would just give up whatever it would take to get him. Because if you are giving yourself a chance to go to the Super Bowl for the next 10 years, then it's absolutely worth those three first round picks. I actually think you can pretty much find a good player at almost any other position somewhere else that, you know, like a quarterback is the hardest thing to find. Once you find that guy, you can find everything else somewhere, whether it be through a trade, whether it be through free agency. I mean, that's how the, the Patriots were able to stay viable all of those years. They didn't have high first round picks. You know, they, they weren't using necessarily uh, high draft picks to build sustainable success. They had to find role players in different places. They had to make trades. They had to do all kinds of things, but they had Tom Brady and Deshaun Watson. I mean, he, he might not be Tom Brady, but he is right up there as an elite quarterback. And if you can find yourself, an elite quarterback, the rest is just details. So this, this kind of goes to with Al Cross's question from East Palestine, Ohio. He says, hey, Mary Kay, with Deep, with Deep Podesta and Andrew, Andrew Barry, seeing what the Bucks and Rams have done the last two years going all in, would they consider giving up multiple ones on a big name quarterback in a trade? Does it sort of depend on the quarterback? Like is you know, is our Kirk Cousins and Jimmy Garoppolo created equal in that sense? Like, hey, we just got to go get a veteran guy. Or is it like, well, we give up more for Kirk Cousins and maybe not as much for Jimmy and Derek Carr's up here. Do you think those guys are sort of tiered like that in, in the Browns' minds? I do. I think those guys are tiered. There are, you know, the top five elite quarterbacks that, that everybody can name maybe top five or six in that category and then you go you know whatever six to or seven to 12 or 13 those are in a different category and you would pay a premium for a top six and I think Deshaun Watson is up there in the elite category I think he's demonstrated that he's never even played on a good team and he has shown uh, that that he can be that kind of a guy that can absolutely take a team to multiple Super Bowls and I think he would be worth giving up uh, multiple first round picks for, again, it's a tricky situation. It is an absolutely tricky situation based on his circumstances. And the Browns would have to feel extremely comfortable with all of that. But here's another thing to remember. The Blount, the Browns do believe in second chances. We know that about them. Andrew Barry has told us and demonstrated to us that he believes in giving guys second chances. Sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't right now. It looks like with Malik McDowell, it is not working out at the moment, um, but that doesn't mean that it won't work out. I mean, they gave Tack McKinley a second chance and he was actually doing really well. Now, Tack had to leave the team for a while because of a personal problem. So these, when you take chances on players like this, it's not always uh, an upward trajectory. Sometimes you take two steps forward and a step back. But if you can end up with a good player and help that player become a good person, 
and contribute in a meaningful way to society and maybe even become a better person than they would have been, uh, then it's a win-win for everyone. Uh, another quarterback that somebody mentioned too was Kyler Murray. Is he sort of in that class with, I mean, he's not Deshaun Watson, but is he, is he in that class in your mind of a guy that, yeah, you'd give up multiple firsts to bring him in? I would. I would. I don't think he's too far behind the Deshaun Watsons. I think, I mean, if you had a top six, I, I think he's like right there at seven or eight. I, I mean, I think he can be absolutely amazing and he's still young. He's still scratching the surface, uh, but within the right system, with the right weapons around him, with a good offensive line, I think that he is one of those guys that would be worth it. Now, supposedly there are some leadership concerns, some character concerns. And those would have to be vetted out very thoroughly, okay? You cannot bring in a quarterback that is not going to be a good leader. You, he's got to be great in the locker room. His teammates are going to have to really follow him, believe in him, and, and, and want to play for him and run through a wall for him. I think that's vitally important. And they're going to have to do their due diligence if they were going to look into Kyler Murray uh, in many ways, including having some of their, their players talk to their friends on the team and ask them. I mean, you know, you don't just do your own homework. You fan out and you have everybody do their homework, right? I mean, you do, you do it in ways that, um, that are unconventional and they, they would have to really get the clear picture of what's going on there because that's the last thing they need is a quarterback with suspect leadership skills. And I don't know that if that's the case with Kyler Murray, but those are reports that I have seen. And of course, Kyler is uh, do that extension now too. He's in he's in that same situation mm -hmm. that Baker was a year ago. Where I, I would imagine right. if you were trading for Kyler Murray, you would do it with that extension in mind, most likely. Absolutely, one hundred percent. That would be a prerequisite. That would be discussed with the agent. There's no way that you are going to make a trade like that and give up multiple first round picks unless you have worked through the extension aspect of it, that would be 100% part of it. Okay. We're going to take a break. And then we have a, a few non-quarterback questions I'll throw at you here from our football insider subscribers. And we are back on the orange and Brown talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition and Mary Kay. I thought this was interesting. You know, we've discussed this guy a little bit. I cut him from the roster last week in my, uh, in my team roadmap, Jim and Boardman. Hey, Mary Kay, does the fact that J.C. Treader has a leadership role in the players' union cause unnecessary distractions and drama within the locker room? Could it be to the point where the decision to pay him or release him gets a little easier to make based on his union position? Or put more simply, is that even in consideration when, when the Browns look at this? Uh, because it is, look, having the union president does make things a little more difficult in your building, I would imagine. Well... You know, it does, you know, add a new layer of uh, decision making 100%. But I do not believe that Andrew Barry is the type of person that would factor that into a football decision. I do not think that that will have anything to do with whether or not they keep J.C. Treader as their starting receiver for next year. And even though I wouldn't let J.C. Treader go because I, I think it's I think you have to have a really good center. And Nick Harris, again, he did have a good game when he went in there and started for JC. Um, but still, at that price, which is $9 million and change, I think, for cap next year, 
I, I would stick with him for another year because you still have some uncertainty in other areas on your offensive line that we've talked about. You're super solid at the guards, uh, but a little dicey right now at the tackle positions. Uh, so I would probably go super solid at center. He's always healthy. I think that means something. Um, but I, having said that, I would not be surprised, Dan, if they follow your roadmap and, and part ways with him. I mean, because they are going to be looking to save some money here and there. They are going to be looking to sign perhaps some high-priced receivers and other big-name free agents. And, um, and it is a way to save a significant chunk of change. So I do think that they will look long and hard at it. I don't know what the ultimate decision will be, um, but it would not surprise me if they do it. It would not surprise me if they keep it. And I don't think that decision has anything to, to do with his role within the union either. I'm with you. I don't think that would affect the way Andrew Barry looks at it. In fact, I would imagine they kind of think that's, you know, hey, here's one of our players taking on a significant leadership role in the league. That's, that's a good thing. Um, but there are complications, I think, that come up with that. You know, we talked about OTAs earlier, and obviously that's something the union wants to cut down on and not, not have a lot of spring football. And if the Browns want 100% attendance, that might be a little tougher if the union president is, is trying to take a stand. But again, you know, I, I don't think that plays any role in the decision they're going to make about J.C. Treader because the bottom line is he's out there every single Sunday. He doesn't miss snaps, and he's, he's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, when you talk in terms of leadership, uh, you know, I would think that that would be a plus. Like you said, when, when it comes to trying to get guys not to go to, to OTAs, he's going to do that whether he's playing for the Cleveland Browns or whether he's going to be playing for another team. Now, of course, it, it has a little bit more impact on your teammates. If you're asking your teammates to stay away from OTAs, uh, you know, if he were not in Cleveland, then maybe they would be more inclined to show up. But, um, but I still don't think that they're going to make a football decision based on the fact that he is the president of the NFLPA. All right. Another offensive line question. Uh, another guy we spent some time talking about this comes from John Stoner in York, Pennsylvania. Hey, Mary Kay, do you think Jedrick Wills will ever live up to his top 10 draft status, or do you think he has the potential to be a bust? Well, I'm not going to say bust, but I do think that Jed Wills uh, needs to step it up. And uh, I think he's got the physical capabilities. I think he's got the talent to be an excellent, excellent left tackle. Uh, I think all the things that they saw on tape, uh, all that potential, I think that's all still there for him. Um, but I think that he does need to step it up and just work harder than he ever has and harder than he ever believed he would have to. And I think if you've got Wyatt Teller kind of telling us at the end of last season that Jed needs to you know, work harder and understand what this is all about, then you know, I think we can take that to heart. And I think we can believe that coming from a pro bowl guard, he knows what it takes to get to a pro bowl level. Now you can be a good offensive lineman without going the extra mile every single day. But if you want to be at the Joel Batonio level, if you want to be at the Wyatt Teller level, if you want to be at the Joe Thomas level, uh, then that's just a whole different ball game. And I think that was the message that Wyatt was trying to deliver to Jed is that, you know, this is, uh, this is what it takes to be great. And if you want to be great, then, Hey, come out and work with me over the off season 
And let me take you under my wing a little bit and show you kind of how, how it's done. And I think it was a difficult year on Jed because he had a horrible ankle injury and he was forced to play when he really shouldn't have been playing because Chris Hubbard was out. They didn't have anybody and they really needed him. And we've seen plenty of other Browns offensive linemen play through high ankle sprains and other injuries and just get out there and do it. And there's a vibe on that. There's an Ironman vibe on the offensive line. You're aware of it, Dan. I'm aware. We are all aware of it. Those guys are the warrior position on the team. And, uh, and they, they're basically challenging Jed, you know, to be one of them in that regard. But he was hurting last year. He was really, really hurting. And I think it hurt his confidence. And uh, it was difficult for him to overcome a lot of that. So let's give him the benefit of the doubt and see what he can do this year. Yeah, I mean, he got carted off twice. He got carted off in Kansas City, and then yeah. he kept trying to play through, kept trying to, and then he got carted off in LA, I think, or maybe it was Minnesota. It was one of those two. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, he was he was hurt. I don't think he's going to be a bust. Will will he be a top ten guy? I don't know. Will he ever look like a top ten pick? I don't know. But I think he can be good enough. You know, I think about a guy like an Eric Fisher, who was the number one overall pick. He was never like the best left tackle in the league, but he was good enough for Kansas City for a long time. And then he moved on to Indianapolis this year. It, like good enough. Obviously, it's not ideal if you picked the guy number 10, but if he can be good enough for a long time, you can do you can do something with that. I don't think he'll ever be a bust. Yeah, good enough could be good enough. You're right, Dan. It could very well be. And uh, they also have the option. So many people have asked me this, and I don't know if they would think about doing it, but some people have asked, you know, could he move over and play right tackle? And I suppose that could be an option depending on what happens with Jack Conklin long-term. So that's something else to keep in mind. Maybe he would feel comfortable on the other side of the line where he played in college. And I remember when I asked Nick Saban about this uh, pre-draft, in uh, 2020. And he said, I don't know if he can make the transition to the left side. We're going to have to see. I'm not sure. You know, it's not like he came out and said, oh, absolutely. 100%. He's going to do this. I know he's going to do this. Um, He acknowledged that it is a big transition. And, uh, and so Jed still has, has to prove that a little bit. And, um, and I think he's going to do whatever it takes this off season uh, to come back and be the left tackle the Browns need him to be. Okay, last question here, um, something we've touched on, but again, one of these topics that it, it's going to keep coming up uh, over and over again. Uh, Denzel Eastley uh, says, hey, Mary Kay, Stefan Diggs and Odell Beckham Jr. both forced their way out when Kevin Stefanski was involved in those offenses. Why do we think that he will use wide receiver any different than in the past? Well, first of all, I think because when things like that do happen multiple times, I think you do have to look at yourself and your offense and your scheme and ask yourself, is there something you can be doing differently to change that? And if it's going to going to be a situation where good receivers don't want to be here and that's going to hamstring your offense and you're not going to be able to have one of these explosive offenses like everybody else does because you can't get a Chris Godwin to come to Cleveland, uh, then you have to be the one 
that adapts and adjusts. And he will do that. I've always said this about Kevin Stefanski. He comes from a growth mindset. He is someone that has multiple, multiple influences on his offensive philosophy. He is not painted into a corner of being a certain kind of offensive mind. He can draw from all different kinds of places. So if he has the horses to run 13 personnel, he'll run that. If he's got the horses to run 11 personnel or three wides, I think he'll do more of that. But you also have the quarterback, you have to have the quarterback that can get that done. Last year, I don't think he felt like he had a healthy enough quarterback and a good enough wide receiving core uh, to be doing some of that. And, and he did take plenty of shots downfield and they didn't work out because Baker Mayfield wasn't himself on the long ball last year. I mean, we all could see that. Um, but if he has somebody that is that, then he'll do it just like Sean McVay is doing it with Matt Stafford, right? I mean, you play to the strengths of your talent. And I think that Kevin Stefanski will 100% do that. Yeah, I mean, look, these guys are all too smart to just kind of get stuck in the mud and, and not adjust and make changes. And Kevin is, is right there with them. I think there were a lot of factors last year and, and it was beyond just, just Kevin. I, I think he shares in some of the blame, but... I think there were bigger things going on. And, you know, that's part of why we're talking about the quarterback so much. That's why we spent the whole first, what, 25 minutes of this podcast talking about the quarterback, because there are a lot of factors in play. Real quick, I want to ask you before I let you go, do you buy that Kirk Cousins will be Minnesota's quarterback starting week one? Well, (laughs) you know, I think there is a world in which that's not the case because of the money involved. Now, we can look at all these different situations where everybody's like, yes, we want Kirk. And yes, we want Derek Carr. And you can hear these, these coaches at their opening press conferences. And these are, in some cases, first-time head coaches. And they might not even be fully aware of the whole business aspect of it. Just because they just watched all of Kirk Cousins' tape and they love what they see doesn't mean the team is prepared to pay him $40 million a year going forward and give him the kind of extension that he's going to want. Same thing with Derek Carr. Uh, You know, I think that Derek Carr will probably end up still with the Raiders. That's what they're saying that they want, but there is a money component involved. These guys are going to want to get paid. And when a new regime comes in, everything changes. So uh, let's never say never with these guys, even though both of those teams I just mentioned have every intention of having Carr and Cousins be their starting quarterbacks. Until we get to the new league year, we start talking some money and we start hearing from other teams and what they would be willing to pay or give up. We cannot pencil those guys in as the starters for 2022 just yet. Yeah. Cousins is the one that I just still sort of have a weird feeling about. Like it's that, you know, Josh Rosen is our guy thing in Arizona. It feels like, like they actually do like him probably and want him as their quarterback, but the money and Kirk has never been a guy that's given up right. money. I mean, that's something he's done really well is make sure that he gets a lot of money and guaranteed. So that that's the one that I still kind of feel like eh, everybody's saying the right thing, but we'll see. Yes, we'll see is, I think, the, the best way to approach it. Although from my own reporting, I do feel like he probably will stay there. Um, but again... Until some teams, you know, sit across the table and start to do some negotiating and you really start to talk some hard numbers and you really look at your salary cap and where that's going. And, and they have a new general manager there, too. OK, and now and, and we know, of course, who he is, Quasi. 
who came from the Cleveland Browns. And Kwesi is like Andrew Barry and Paul DePodesta. They are very conscious of the pennies that they spend. Okay. They're very, very cap savvy and cap conscious. And when they look at it in the final analysis, they're going to have to determine if they are willing to pay Kirk Cousins what he is going to want over the long haul and weigh that against what they could get in terms of draft picks and whatever else. So, uh, so I would say just stay tuned on all of these things. Okay, there we go. Our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast here on a Tuesday. Uh, stick with us all week. We're going to be finishing up our roadmap series. And then guess what? It's combine week already. That went fast. This late Super Bowl, this 17 week season and, and the Super Bowl being a week later has me all thrown off. So combine week is coming. So of course, we'll be getting, getting you ready for that uh, all week long on cleveland.com slash Browns, which is also where you can become a football insider subscriber, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner the page. Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later.